الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا رسول الله All praises are due to Allah, the creator, the cherisher, and the sustainer of this universe. And may his peace and blessings be upon his noble prophet Muhammad and his companions and descendants and followers. Dear respected brothers and sisters, Jazakum Allah khairan for coming on time. May Allah accept from you. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Talabul ilmi faridatun ala kulli muslim. And in a narration, ala kulli muslimin wa muslima, that seeking knowledge is an obligation on every Muslim, man or woman. So what you are doing right now is an obligation on you. It's not a sunnah. It's not an extra good deed. It is your obligation to seek knowledge. At the same time, praying two rak'ahs after Maghrib is a sunnah. So actually, the right thing is that directly after Maghrib, we should start with the obligation. And then people can pray the sunnah before the isha. This is what it should be, actually. But, of course, I don't want to change the system of any mosque. But this is just to understand your priorities. The priority is talabul ilm. Prior then, salat al-sunnah, but not then salat al-fard. So salat al-fard comes first, and then talabul ilm. Today, inshallah, <coughs> we will start with the verse number 31 in Surah An-Nur, which says, أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم وقل للمؤمنات يغضضن من أبصارهن ويحفظن فروجهن ولا يبدين زينتهن إلا ما ظهر منها وليضربن بخمرهن على جيوبهن ولا يبدين زينتهن إلا لبعولتهن أو آبائهن أو آباء بعولتهن أو أبنائهن أو أبناء بعولتهن أو إخوانهن أو بني إخوانهن أو بني أخواتهن أو نسائهن أو ما ملكت أيمانهن أو التابعين غير أولي الإربة من الرجال أو الطفل الذين لم يظهروا على عورات النساء ولا يضربن بأرجلهن ليعلم ما يخفين من زينتهن وتوبوا إلى الله جميعا أيها المؤمنون لعلكم تفلحون This verse means and tell believing women that they should lower from their glances, guard their private parts, and not display their charms beyond what is acceptable to reveal. They should let their headscarves fall to cover their necklines and not to reveal their charms except to their husbands, their fathers, their husbands' fathers their sons, their husband's sons, their brothers, their brother's sons, their sister's sons, their women folk, their slaves, such men, as, uh, such men as attend them who have no sexual desire or children who are not yet aware of women's nakedness. They should not stamp their feet so, that, so as to draw attention to any hidden charms. Believers, all of you, turn to God so that you may prosper. Turn to God and repent, as it means. Let's reflect upon the verses. You know that this workshop is about reflection. It's not about tafsir. It's about reflecting upon the words of God. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the verse number 30, which is the one that we explained last time, says, وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغُضُّوا مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ وَيَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ And tell believing men that they should lower from their glances and to guard their private parts. In this one, he says, and tell believing women that they should lower from their glances and guard their private parts. What private parts? What does it mean here to guard a private part? Ibn Abbas. Ibn Abbas, for your own information, when I say Ibn Abbas said, then this is important because the Prophet ﷺ called him Turjuman al-Quran. The Prophet described him as the interpreter of the Quran. Yani one of the best companions when it comes to the meanings of the Quran. Ibn Abbas said, كل فرج ذكر حفظه في القرآن فهو من الزنا إلا هذا Every فرج The word فرج which is mentioned in the ayah فروج is the plural of فرج and the word فرج means the genitals So Ibn Abbas said every time you see Allah saying to guard or to protect your فرج it means to protect it from falling into adultery or fornication or any illegal sex, except in this verse. In this verse, Allah doesn't mean to protect it from zina. Allah means to protect it from being seen by others. Why? Because of the context. When we understand the Quran, we have to understand what we call the siyaq. Siyaq means context. Siyaq consists of sibaq and lihaq. Sibaq, which means what came before, and lihaq, what comes after. Together, they make the siyaq, or the context. The context of the verse is, يَغُضُّ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ Which means to lower their glances. From what? From looking at people's awrah, at people's private parts. So when Allah says next, and to guard their private parts, it means to guard it from being seen by others. It doesn't mean to guard it from falling in illegal sex here in this verse. Okay? So this is something just I wanted to tell you that when you hear this verse and you see that Allah is telling the believers, men, and in the next one, the believer women, to lower from their gaze and to cover their private parts or to guard their private parts, it means to guard it from being seen by others. So you have the obligation, it's your duty, not to look at others' awrah, and not to let others look at your aura too. Okay. So here we're talking about two things that are haram. Zina, illegal sex, and looking at other people, aura. Zina is muharram linafsihi. Zina is haram in itself. But looking is not haram for itself. It is haram because it leads to zina. So there is something called muharramun li nafsihi wa muharramun li ghayrihi. Zina is muharram li nafsihi. Zina is haram in itself. Illegal sex is haram in itself. But wrong interaction between men and women, looking at awra between men and women, uh, covering the uh, awra or hijab for women and hijab for men, which is not hijab, it is the covering the awra, and we will talk about it now, is uh, uncovering is haram, but not for in itself. It is haram because it leads to something else, which is dinner. 
When we talk about awra, we have four types of awra. Awra of men in presence of men. An awra of women in presence of women. An awra of men in presence of women. And the awra of women in presence of men. So your awra depends on the situation. So your awra with your wife is different from your awra with the close relatives. is different from the awra from others. So it differs according to uh, the circumstances and in whose presence you are. Men in presence of men or women. The awra of men is the same in front of men or in front of women. It is from where till where? Who can tell me? From navel to knee. Good. Continue. Continue. You have to continue. You have to say from navel to knee and the navel is not a aura and the knee is not a aura. Because people don't know that. They think from navel to knee so he has to pull the uh, uh, his, for example, a swimsuit until his chest and he has to pull it under his knee. That's not true. The navel itself is not a aura and the knee itself is not a aura. So the hukm is from navel to knee, and neither one of them is awra. Add to this, Imam Malik says that al-fakhv laysa bi'awra. Only Imam Malik thinks that al-fakhv. The problem is in English, from the knee up here to the side is called thigh. But in Arabic, the hand span over the knee is called fakhv. We can call it the lower th thigh. And the one above is the higher thigh. Okay? So, al-fakhd means the hand span over the knee. What is the dalil of Imam Malik? That Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi it's an authentic hadith, was sitting with Abu Bakr and Umar, and his fakhdayhi were uncovered. And then when Uthman came in, he covered fakhdayhi. So Abu Bakr and Umar said, are you shy from Uthman and not shy from us? He said, how come I'm not shy from someone that the Malaika are shy from? But this means that the Prophet was uncovering his fakh, and the Prophet will never uncover awra. This is the dalil of Imam Malik. But if a man is effeminate, there are men who are effeminate. Not necessarily that they are, there is something wrong with them. But they are like effeminate, which means uh, they don't have any hair, not much hormones, you understand me. And uh, their voices are um, a little bit feminine. In this case, it is not allowed to look at him exactly as he was a woman for people who may have inclinations or may have fitna. So I mean that a man should not look at another man if the other man is effeminate and that this man can fall in fitna. And this in itself means that Islam acknowledges that someone may have homosexual inclinations. But here Islam puts, puts immunity doesn't allow things to escalate and then come and say haram. No, Islam puts the hukm even before anything wrong happens. So if a man may have some homosexual inclinations towards the same sex, he should not look at effeminate men exactly as if they are women. Because here some people think that being a homosexual or having homosexual feelings in itself 
is haram and can get you to hellfire. That's not true. Practicing homosexuality is the haram. Practicing homosexuality can get you to hellfire, but not having the feelings. What if someone had or has uh, inclinations towards the same sex, but he or she abstains from practicing this for the sake of Allah? Doesn't this lead him to Jannah? So the issue is not about the, what they call today or gender orientation. It's about the practice. Here, by the way, in the West, there are surveys that say that a certain percentage of people, especially women, practice homosexuality even though less than half of them are homosexuals. And the rest, they're just trying. Having fun. Trying something new. So this is something that people are coaching in themselves. While Islam is telling us, suppress it. Don't coach it in yourself. The Prophet ﷺ has an authentic hadith. Man, a man should not look at the awra of the other man from navel to knee. And the knee is not that. Okay. Especially the genitals. Even if both of them are normal men, straight men, they should not look at each other's genitals. Because actually, uh, sometimes you go here to a maybe a swimming pool or something, and then you go to change your clothes, and you find people coming in, taking off their clothes, and keep walking inside the changing room like that, naked 100%. I don't know what's that. This is totally haram, even in the presence of men. Why? That's what we are told. It's haram. But I may try to understand the wisdom. Maybe what I find is okay, is right, and maybe not. But when I try to, to think about it, imagine that another man, that a man looks at another man's genitals. And then this leads him to think that uh, he himself is having a problem. Maybe he's not, yani, you understand me? So this in itself can lead into a problem that can lead into a psychological problem that can lead into a, a failure in the relationship with his wife and then can lead to his wife maybe seeking something outside. So a big problem can start with a very little spark. Big fires start with a little spark. It all started because he was changing his, his, his clothes in the changing room, and then he saw another man, and then this affected him psychologically, which led into that. The Prophet also continues and said, And a woman should not look at another woman's aura. Should not. And he also, he also said, A man should not sleep with another man under one cover. Yani if you really, if there is, yani if, if two males, like friends going out in a picnic or in a hotel or somewhere, and uh, we are like three or four males together, and we've got something like two of us will sleep on the same bed, everyone should, has, should have his own cover. Should not, you know, be covered under one blanket. Everyone should have his own separate blanket. And the continuing of this, وَلَا تُفْدِي الْمَرْأَ إِلَى الْمَرْأَ فِي الثَّوْبِ الْوَحْدِ and a woman should not sleep with one woman under one cover. They can sleep on the same bed, but not under one cover. Everyone should have her own cover. 
this in itself is acknowledging that homosexual feelings are not something that people are born with. It is something that people coach in themselves. So Islam is telling us how to suppress this and to avoid it and stay away from this. Ibn Abbas narrated that the Prophet said, Be careful of a place called Hammam. Hammam today is what is equivalent to the sauna and the steam room and the swimming pool and the spa. Place where men go together and take a shower and take a bath and whatever. Or women together. Even when women are separated with each other in a spa or women or men alone together in a spa still we should be careful the sahaba said ya rasulallah yunaqil wasakh ya rasulallah it is important for us to get rid of the يعني, uh, dirt it's we we should go there to take a shower people didn't have showers at home he said qala fastatiru then be covered and when you are in the presence of other people even same sex you should also be covered the prophet sallallahu was as shy as a virgin sleeping in her bed. Shyness is something good. Modesty. It's something very rare today. You don't nearly find it. Anas ibn Malik said, a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and told him, O Prophet of Allah, a man, um, uh, one of us meets his brother coming from a travel or something. Should he bow for him? Or should he hug him? Or should he kiss him? The Prophet said, he should take his hand and shake it. So the sunnah is to shake hands, but not to hug each other, and not to kiss each other. What you see, يعني, what we do actually, is cultural. Egyptian culture, Bengali culture, whatever. But it's not the sunnah. The sunnah is not that. The Prophet said, Take his hand and shake it. I'm saying this because people coach this in themselves and then they come and say, you don't understand. It's not about sex. It's about love. What love? Yeah. Uh, I felt that I love my, uh, my friend, my boyfriend. He's a boy, like him. That's what we, just as suddenly, I felt inclinations towards him. What if you feel that you love your uh, sister-in-law? Control. This should control this. We should not leave ourselves like that and unleash our desires. At any time you feel that a certain feeling is developing with someone that will not lead to something good, control it. Control it. There are people that you cannot get married to. Among them, of course, are your boyfriends. So this is something that is very important to understand. What about your aunt? What about your maternal aunt, paternal aunt? So people should control their feelings and not allow these things to grow. Women in presence of women, same thing. Like... Men in front of men. So the aura of women in presence of women is from navel to knee. And the navel is not aura. The knee is not aura. Except if there is fitna. Today, 
with the growth of homosexuality and the spread of homosexuality, it is not recommended. The chest also should be covered. So we can say today that it's from the chest to the knee because the hukm says, except in case of fitna. We are in times of fitna. What about, of course, this is in case of presence of Muslim women. What about non-Muslim women? According to Malik and Abu Hanifa, non-Muslim woman is like a man exactly. The Muslim woman should be covered in front of her except the face and the, the hands. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal is more flexible than this and he said the non-Muslim woman is like a Muslim woman. They're all women. Imam Shafi'i was less flexible than Ahmad ibn Hanbal and he said she, things can appear from her that are hard to hide while working, which means up to here can work because when a woman is working, cleaning dishes, washing something, this part can appear, maybe this part until the, the knee can appear, a little bit of the, of the, of the head, maybe some, some hair. So uh, Imam Shafi'i said, what appears from the woman during her work can appear in front of a non-Muslim woman. The most flexible was eh, Ahmad ibn Hanbal, of course, and Abu Hanifa and Malik, they see that the non-Muslim woman is exactly like uh, a man. And then the verse says, وَلْيَضْرِبْنَا بِخُمُرِهِنَّ عَلَى جِيُوبِهِنَّ وَلَا يُبْدِينَ زِينَتَهُنَّ إِلَّا مَا ظَهَرَ وَلِبِزِينَتَهُنَّ إِلَّا لِبْعُولَتِهِنَّ And so on. They should let their headscarves fall to cover their necklines, this part, and not to reveal their charms except to their husbands, their fathers, and so on. This means that the woman, as we said, is totally aura except the face and the hands. This means that she should not be identified by anything except the face and the hands. So in her identification card in a Muslim uh, uh, country, she should not be identified by the color of her hair because this is by default is not appearing from her. She should not be identified by anything else. She should be only identified by what, but what, by what appears from her face, which means that her picture should be only for the face. In some countries today, they are forcing women to show their ear, forcing women to show a little bit of this. This is not allowed according to our yani the Islamic law, of course. <sighs> Why do Muslim women cover? Why not Muslim men? Yesterday, I just came from Belgium, by the way. And there in the university, I was asked, why Muslim men do not cover like Muslim women? Simply because since time immemorial, men have been using women as a tool of enjoyment. When a man is having some depression, he goes out and buys a cold drink in a cafe, and sits by the window. Why? To watch women, not men. After two hours, sipping his cold drink, watching women here and there, he feels good, he goes home. God, is sa God said enough is enough. The woman is not for that. It's not for public use. Cover up. No, allow them to do that. Here the question can be, okay, Islam should uh, um, correct men, not correct women. Why would a woman pay for the mistake of men? Well, Islam already talked 
to men and said, Lord, from your gaze. But Islam is also practical. And Islam knows that not all men will lower their gaze. In this case, you have to protect yourself. When we cover the honey from the flies, we're not punishing the honey. We're preserving it from being uh, anything falling into it. Islam looked at the, at the woman as something much more important than this, than being a tool of enjoyment for men. At the time of Islam, well, when Islam came, a woman became a political advisor of Prophet Muhammad. Lady Umm Salama was his political advisor, and she advised him on something that was very crucial. At the time of Umar, she became the supervisor of the market, which means that she was able to shut down stores of men who cheat and maybe flog them and punish them. And that was a woman, Ashifa bint Abdullah. Besides that, this in itself is a liberation for the woman from being abused by men. Who, who decides for women what to wear? Men. Uh, Yves Saint Laurent is what? A man or a woman? He's a man. Um, who else? Pierre Cardin. He's a man. Coco Chanel is a woman, but her designer is a man. So men design women clothes and decide what will be uncovered every year. This year we will uncover your chest. Next year we will uncover your back. Next year we will uncover your thighs. Next year this is very humiliating. Islam liberated the women from being used like that. Liberated the women from being a, a creature who just seeks male approval. So she spends like an hour before going out every day in order to, to, for men to like her when they see her. The woman is much more important than that. The woman is much more precious than that. Men don't do that before they go out. So why would women do that? A woman should not be judged according to her appearance. A woman should be judged according to her personality. And this is what Islam did. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَغْضُضْنَ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِنَّ وَيَحْفَظْنَ فُرُوجَهُنَّ And women are, men are also in, ordered the same thing. Men should also lower from their gaze, like women were told to lower from their gaze, and cover their private parts, like women were told to cover their private parts. But why women should cover more? Actually, the best answer I heard here was the answer of a Scottish sister, a convert, who told me that one day she was invited by an old friend who's non-Muslim to have dinner and uh, introduce her to her fiancé. And looks like the sister was very outspoken and uh, so it looks like the other woman wanted to embarrass her. I don't know why. Sometimes women do that to each other. Yeah. So she told her, okay, you told us men and women are equal in Islam. Why men do not cover their head like you cover your head? The sister told me that the fiancé was totally bold. 
Maybe he had hair, but he shaved his hair to look like the Brazilian uh, soccer players or something. It's, it's a fashion today. Men shave their hair, even if they have hair. I don't know how precious this hair is yeah, for men who don't have hair. Anyway, so uh, she told her, do you think Jean is attractive? She said, yes, he's very attractive. She told her, even though he doesn't have any hair. She said, yeah, I don't care. He's attractive for me even without hair. So she looked at Jean and she said, Jean, tell me the truth. What if Susan did not have any hair? Would you take her out for dinner? Or would you marry her? He said, actually, no. So she looked at the sister and said, see, this hair is not like this hair. The impact of this hair on the other sex is not like the impact of this hair on the other sex. So the one who created me and you and John knows best and tells each one of us how he should act and how he should uh, wear. Okay, the issue is, yes, hijab is hard sometimes for some girls to wear. We need to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us gifts. Wealth is a gift. Health is a gift. Beauty is a gift. And my sisters right now can hear me. Your beauty is a gift. There are two ways to deal with gifts of Allah. Either by shukr, which means gratitude, or by kufr, which means ingratitude. One of the meanings of kufr is ingratitude. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about those who instead of showing gratitude towards his favors and gifts, they show ingratitude. And he said, أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ بَدَّلُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ كُفْرًا وَأَحَلُّوا قَوْمَهُمْ دَارَ الْبَوَارِ جَهَنَّمَ يَصْلَوْنَهَا وَبِئْسَ الْقَرَارِ وَجَعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا لِيُضِلُّوا عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ قُلْ تَمَتَّعُوا فَإِنَّ مَصِيرَكُمْ إِلَى النَّارِ Do you not see those who in exchange for God's favor offer only ingratitude? and make their people end up in the home of ruin? Because those who show ingratitude by not using the favor of Allah, as he said, he said, this favor, wealth, you should use it like that. Health, use it like that. Beauty, use it like that. This is what you cover, this is what you show. When you show ingratitude, then you are leading other people to ruin themselves. There are men who cannot get married. There are men that I know who do not even dream of getting married. All their dream is about keeping this job that puts the food on the table for his mother and sisters. They, will not, they don't even dream of getting married. They are so poor. Why do we provoke them like that? So here God is saying, those who in exchange of God's favor offer only ingratitude and make their people end up in the home of ruin, hell where they burn. What an evil place to stay. Why? They set up others as God's equals. They take others as equal to God. God said like that. But Gucci said like that. And Yves Saint Laurent said like that. 
So when you were like that or like that, then you took Gucci and Yves Saint Laurent as equals to God. Period. That's it. So you should face it. And you should have, you should strengthen your Iman. And you should sacrifice for the sake of the one that you love. Actually, the issue is not about hijab. And if you open the books of fiqh, you don't find one chapter called hijab. There is nothing called hijab in Islam. There is something called awra. It's not about a hijab which is not worn. It's about a awra which is uncovered. Awra means private parts. Awra, something that brings shame when people see. So that's what it's about. Uthman ibn Affan, may Allah be pleased with him. When the rebels broke into his house and were about to kill him, he shouted at his wife to go inside the room. He said, my murder is much simpler for me, much more simple for me than a foreigner seeing your hair. Go inside. This is Uthman ibn Affan, the shy Khalif. At the time of the Prophet, a man was walking, then he looked at a woman, and she looked at him. He thought that each one of them liked the other, that's why they looked at each other. So he was gazing at her while walking, so he went into a wall, and he broke his nose. He swore not to wipe the blood until he goes to the Prophet and confess and uh, ask him for advice. We don't have confession in Islam, like in Christianity. But the man wanted to like scandal himself. He wanted to punish himself. This is what you should do. Link the hardship of your life with, your, uh, with what you do against Allah. So whenever you feel some hardship, say, maybe this is because I did this or I did that a few days ago and I should stop anything haram that I do. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that sometimes he puts you in hardship to remind you and to make you return back to the way of Allah. Lady Aisha spoke about the obedience of Nisa al-Ansar, the women of the Ansar. She said, I have never seen better than the women of the Ansar. When this verse descended on the Prophet sallallahu they went to their cloth belts. They used to uh, uh, tie a belt made of cloth and they cut it into two halves so that they can use one of them to, uh, high, to cover their head and hide their necklines. They did not wait until uh, they go to uh, Stratford Mall and buy beautiful scarves because next week she decided to wear hijab. No, immediately, immediately. The verse came down on the Prophet and they immediately applied it in their life. This is the difference between them and us. I'm comparing them to the good women among us. By the way, I'm not comparing it to the women who are not wearing hijab. I'm comparing them to a woman who decided to wear hijab. So she says, inshallah, next week I'll wear hijab. I'll just go to buy some scarves. See the difference. Obedience. وَلَا يَضْرِبْنَ بِأَرْجُلِهِنَّ لِيُعْلَمَ مَا يُخْفِينَ مِنْ زِينَتِهِنَّ They should not stamp their feet 
so as to draw attention to any hidden charms. In, um, in some uh, countries, in Egypt actually, also, there are things that uh, jewels, jewelry that women wear in their feet. So when they walk, if there are several jewelry, especially in the villages, so when they walk, uh, uh, th this jewelry can, uh, can make some uh, sounds so that people know that she's wearing something in her feet. But today this is not there. But at the same time today we have uh, long heels that when a woman is wearing long heels, walks just tick, 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 tick. This can actually intimidate men. This can like make men arouse actually. So anything that can draw attention to the woman when she walks, she should not do. Why? She should be very modest. Not to draw attention of men towards her beauty, towards her charm. Yeah, it's true that she is wearing hijab and everything, but she should not try to draw attention and tell people that under this hijab, there is a superstar. This is not good. Have piety. Same applies for men. Same applies for men. Men should not also draw attention to them through the way they talk, the way they walk. And uh, there are now workshops on how to walk. A cat walk and a fox walk and a big walk. The Prophet said, The one who spoils the relationship between a woman and her husband is not one of us. Covering the aura is, of course, just one aspect of a whole system of sexual discipline for the society. It includes covering the aura through the hijab of the women or the dress code of men. It includes the etiquettes of interaction between men and women. It includes facilitating early marriage. It includes lowering the gaze. It includes a lot of things. So don't think that if a government forces uh, men and women to wear the right dress code that this is not that's not enough it's a part of a whole system of sexual discipline for the society that includes all these things including early facilitating early marriage etiquettes of interaction lowering the gaze all these things i should not like uh, display you know or or put for them films and and uh, episodes on tv that have women that are not it's a whole system. It's a whole system. And it's hard these days, of course. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, And not to reveal their charms except to their husbands, their fathers, their husbands' fathers, their sons, etc., etc. Sister, this means, see here, Allah said, don't reveal your charm except to your husband or your father or, or, or. Your husband was mentioned before your father. Your husband can see from you, sister, what your father cannot see. This means that your husband is closer to you than your father. So treat your husband as the closest person to you. At the same time, brother, your wife has no one to protect her more than you, actually except you. So be 
like Muhammad for Aisha in order for her to be like Aisha for you. This is something very important because every one of us marries someone, he wants her to be like a, a mother of the believers. You should be like Prophet Muhammad then. Actually, Prophet Muhammad had a marital dispute with Lady Aisha one day. And then uh, he told her, who would you like us to invite to judge between us? Someone will come and judge between him and Lady Aisha. Would you like us to invite your father? She said, yeah, my father is okay. He sent to her father, Abu Bakr came to the house of the Prophet. He entered, and then the Prophet looked at Lady Aisha and said, would you like to talk and tell him what happened? Or would you like me to talk and tell him what happened? She said, no, you can talk, but don't say except the truth. This just shows you to what extent was the freedom of speech in the house of the Prophet. Of course, Abu Bakr jumped, jumped from his chair. And he wanted like punish Lady Aisha. He wanted to punish her. And the Prophet, he jumped as well. And he started to protect Lady Aisha from her father. And he couldn't reach her at all because the Prophet was always pushing him away from her. And he was shouting at him, telling him, Abu Bakr, this is not why we invited you to come. Abu Bakr, this is not what we want from you. So Abu Bakr left angrily. And then the Prophet looked at Lady Aisha and said, See, I protected you from the man. So the Prophet was closer to her than her own father. Yeah, why don't you sit? Shukran. And then Allah says in the same verse, Believers, all of you turn to God in repentance so that you may prosper. Here Allah is addressing both men and women, calling them to do tawbah, repentance. From what? From sins. From sins that against God and against people. Because by uncovering the aura, you actually committed a sin against God and against people as well. You led people to, to go astray. And God loves. God loves those who turn to him in repentance and he loves those who keep themselves clean. Tawbah, repentance is mentioned 35 times in the Quran. And the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stretches his hand by night time for those who committed sins by daytime and stretches his hand by daytime for those who committed sins by night time, which means God is open for your repentance 24-7. 24-7, just repent, regret. He also said, the Prophet said, وسلم, Allah is more pleased with the repentance of the one of you than a man who lost his ride in a vast desert with all his food and water on it than when he sat under a tree getting ready to die. Suddenly, he finds his right. So he says, out of happiness, Oh Allah, I am your Lord and you are my servant. And the Prophet said he got puzzled because of the pleasure and happiness that shocked him suddenly. He said, Allah is more pleased 
with your repentance, with your tawbah, than this man with his uh, right when it came back. Allah is so pleased when you repent. The Prophet ﷺ told the Sahaba, if you do not commit sins, Allah will exchange you with others who commit sins and then ask forgiveness to forgive them. Don't despair of God's mercy. The Prophet ﷺ said, Ya ayyuhannas, tubu ila Allahi wastaghfiruhu fa'inni atubu fil yawm mi'ata marra. O people, he didn't say all believers, all people. The Prophet is speaking to all people. Repent to Allah and ask his forgiveness. I myself repent to him every single day 100 times. Actually, you know who uses this against us? Christians. Christians use it against us and say, your prophet said I repent 100 times. He seeks forgiveness for 100, which means that he makes mistakes at least 100 times. Jesus never asked repentance. Jesus never for asked forgiveness. Actually, tawbah is an obligation. It's an obligation. Every one of us has three records. The record of good deeds and the record of bad deeds. And those two are very simple to deal with because every good deed that you do is counted, is multiplied by 10 up to 700. And Allah even multiplies more than that for, for whoever he wishes. And every bad deed is only counted one. The problem is with the third record that if opened, we're finished. It is the record of gifts, favors that Allah gave to us. And the Prophet said, None of you will enter paradise because of his good deeds. I said, neither you, O Prophet of Allah, he said, neither do I, except if Allah showers me with mercy. Because all the work of the Prophet ﷺ himself is not enough to show gratitude for one of the gifts of Allah. It's not enough. So even the Prophet himself needs rahmah. And just Christians don't know that Jesus, according to the Bible, asked forgiveness twice. Actually, Allah told us to repent. We need to know repent from what? From all sins, major sins and, and minor sins. Let me tell you about the major sins. The scholar said that there are 17 major sins. In the heart, there are four sins. In the tongue, there are four sins. In the stomach, three sins. Private parts, two sins. Hands, two sins. Feet, one sin. Whole body, one sin. Let's, let me tell you about the sins, the major sins of the heart. The first one is a shirk, polytheism. To, to associate partners with Allah. Second, insisting on a sin, even if a minor sin. It makes it a major sin. So no sins are minor as long as you insist on them. That's why those who say smoking is a minor sin. Okay, let me say that one cigarette is a minor sin. But 20 cigarettes in one box don't make one major sin. 
Third, if you despair of the mercy of Allah, that's a major sin. So Allah made it an obligation on you that you don't despair of his mercy, no matter how big is your sin. Allah obligated on you to mention that he is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim 17 times at least every day in your five prayers. He could have chosen any other names like Al-Jabbar Al-Muntaqim, the compeller, the avenger, to be in the Fatiha, but he did not. He chose Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most merciful, the beneficent. To force you to remember his mercy. So it's a major sin to despair of his mercy. The fourth major sin in the heart is feeling safe from the punishment of Allah. If you think that, Allah will never punish me. I'm too good to be punished. That's a major sin in the heart. Tongue, four sins. False testimony is a major sin. Slandering a chaste person, a man or a woman, a major sin. There is something called the dipping in hell oath, which means al-yamin al-ghamuz, that you swear on something knowing that you are lying. I can swear that my car is outside while it was stolen half an hour ago. Um, this is not Yamin Ramos. This is not a dipping in hell. But if I swear on something knowing that I'm lying, there is no atonement for this. No kafara. Yeah. Five minutes. Okay, hadr. Magic and sorcery is also a major sin. Stomach sins. Consuming alcohol or drugs, intoxicants, major sin. Eating up an orphan's money, a major sin. Eating up riba, usury, a major sin. Private parts, sins. Illegal sex, whether adultery or fornication. Adultery, it means illegal sex of a married person which is cheating on the wife or on the husband. Fornication can be just illegal sex for a, uh, an unmarried man or a woman. Homosexuality is also a major sin. In the hands, two sins. Killing is a major sin. Stealing is a major sin. When I say killing, I mean killing unjustly, which means not in war, okay, or not for murder, if you are yani, work in the government and you are supposed to apply the capital punishment on someone, that's not you're not considered a killer. Feet, there's a sin, which is running away from combat. That's a major sin. And the whole body, there's one major sin, which is, who knows? Being unkind to your parents. So tawbah is an obligation from all sins, major sins and uh, minor sins. Give me five more minutes. You pray at uh, 7.45, right? There's two-minute announcements? What are you going to announce for in two minutes? Next two weeks. Okay. It's too much. I have to finish this tawbah, okay? Number one, if you want to practice tawbah, number one, you need to quit the sin. You cannot make tawbah from drinking while you are drinking. You have to quit drinking. Number one, you have to quit. Second, you have to regret 
drinking. You should not remember drinking as good old times. That's not regret. That's not tawbah. So you have number one, to quit. Number two, to regret. Number three, to have a sincere intention not to drink again. Even if you drink again, do tawbah again. But when you do tawbah, you should have sincere intention not to get back again. If the sin is against someone, like taking his possessions, his land, his money, his iPhone, his whatever, in this case, adding to those three things that I mentioned, you need to return back his iPhone. You need to return back his money, his land. What if it's against someone, but it's not something materialistic that you took? You just spoke about him in his back. You need to seek his forgiveness. This is very important to understand because this is the main difference between Islam and Christianity. If Christians understand this, there is no more Christianity. Why? Because Christianity started by what? The original sin. They say Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden tree. Therefore, they sinned. Therefore, God has to punish them because God is just. And at the same time, God has to forgive them because God is merciful. How come he forgive them at the same time punish them? So there's a problem between the mercy of God and between the justice of God. There's a contradiction. There's no contradiction at all. The type of sins that they committed is a sin against God. So if they seek forgiveness and God forgive them, this does not violate his justice in anything. They did not eat someone's apples. That they ate the apples of Allah. You understand me? But if I bump into your car, the government cannot forgive me. I have to compensate you. But if I do something against Allah and he forgives me, there's no problem at all. Okay? We can stop here. We will stop at we will stop at verse number 32. So we only dealt with one verse today, brother. Alhamdulillah.